Hello and welcome to the post-cruise episode of the world-famous Driving You Crazy podcast. This is the show where we talk all things transportation. And boy, oh boy, I have stories for you. Well... I am the traffic anchor for Denver 7 News, Jason Luber. I am pedestrian advocate, Joseph Peters. Why waste any time? Jason, get to the stories, my man. Well, first I want to know what you did while I was away. Uh, I was very irresponsible, didn't clear my car off when we had snowstorms. I think I really upset a lot of other drivers in the area, and I don't feel bad about it. You can get a ticket for that. (laughs) You can get a ticket for that. I'm surprised you didn't. Yeah, I I, uh, I don't think anybody wants to pull me over because that would be more dangerous than just letting it go. <laughs> Probably. So. Did you record a show while I was gone? We did not record a show. Did you book a guest? Uh, we did an entire special about the paranormal places around Colorado. Doesn't help this show out at I'm all. Sorry, did man. you cure cancer? Did you do anything else? Did I cure cancer? Of course I did. <laughs> of course you did. Why wouldn't you? <laughs> it was only two weeks. Uh, I have come to the conclusion, by the way, that the world is way too overcrowded and way too tired. True. There, there, there is my my trip in summary. I'm literally like drinking an energy drink just to keep this conversation <laughs> going right now. <laughs> but no, man, not at all. <laughs> there are just too many people in this world. And our transportation system, it doesn't matter if it's on land, if it's in the air, or it's on the sea. They are all overworked, and they can't handle all of these people. We are at people capacity right now, at least in the densely populated areas. People capacity, you say? Yes, I what, do say. What is the solution, Jason? Uh, we go, we're, well, there's a couple of solutions. One of them is not good for a lot of people. <laughs> Ever heard of the potato plague? Yes. Uh, or we just start um, building cities out in the middle of spaces that there's nobody right now. That's what we need to do. I mean, that is bound to happen eventually, right? Eventually. Um, it's just busy everywhere. It really is. I mean, mm-hmm. anywhere you go, it is just really busy. And, and the way people sleep on airplanes, the country is overtired. Honestly, I was coming home. Uh, on that uh, Friday after the cruise, and, and, and look, it, it was a late night flight. It was a, it was supposed to be nine thirty. It was delayed by an hour, and so it, it's it's night. It's ten thirty, eleven o'clock at night. People are tired. I understand that, and you're going to want to try to sleep on the plane. You can never really sleep on a plane very good, especially when you're like me. I was in the aisle, and you just can't sleep very well. You get maybe fifteen minutes at that. Mm-hmm. Um, it, every uh, but it's it's just never great. But on my way to Florida. The flight was at 10 o'clock in the morning. And there were people all of a sudden passed. I mean, minutes into the air, people are sleeping. I usually don't wait for takeoff. There, there are usually still wheels on the ground when I have fallen into airplane sleep. Yeah, so people are over, overtired. I mean, they're sleeping. They, you would have assumed that they would have gotten up at a regular hour. Uh, they're regular, you know, maybe six or seven. I mean... Go to the airport. It was a 10 o'clock flight. It wasn't even an early morning flight. So as I make this argument, I will concede it is difficult to fall asleep on a 10 o'clock flight, right? If you're in the, if you're flying in the middle of the day during your regular schedule, yeah. you should bring a book. That's not healthy. But look, man, it's better to sleep on the flight and just make those four hours disappear than to have to be awake for those four hours and try to find a way to occupy yourself. They were already snoring. I mean, there were some deep sleepers. Good. All right. I mean, good for them, I suppose. Yeah. Better than me. And another thing about uh, people in airplanes, and airports too, 
They love to drink. Anywhere around an airport or in an airplane, alcohol policies are out of the way. I mean, honestly. True. It doesn't matter what time of day, what business you have going on at the next port of call. It is alcohol season. The the beverage cart came up right next to me. Okay. And I was watching the beverage cart. This is at 1030 in the morning. And they are going through beers and hard liquor and booze going out of that thing like this. And then there were people at the bar drinking Mm -hmm. before we got on the airplane at 930 in the morning. It's vacation time, baby. Well, not everybody's on vacation. They're going like on a business trip. It's business time, baby. I mean, seriously. Yeah. I guess. I don't don't know. It's It's not like we were flying to Las Vegas. Where were you going again? We were going. Actually, that flight was going to Atlanta. From Colorado Springs to Atlanta. Oh, my God. It's a bunch of people getting out of Colorado Springs. Are you kidding me? <laughs> that it's just, we got to crack open a cold one because God. we're out of the springs and heading to Atlanta. Uh, they were pretty, they were, there were some people ready to party when we landed at 3.30. Yep. I'm telling you that right now. Coca-Cola Museum. It's also interesting to watch as people jockey for position at the gate just to get in line to get on the airplane. They're boxing each other out like they're playing defense for an NBA team. Honestly, they're they're bumping out each other, getting their butts out there, and they're you're not getting in front of me. You're not gonna get. You're getting in line to get on an airplane, and everybody already has an assigned seat. <laughs> I mean, they're not gonna leave without you. I, I like to sit and watch all this happen, no matter what. They they give you the little uh, number now. Southwest is different because you Southwest have to line is up totally and, you, and right. Yep. That's just a little different. But everybody had an assigned seat. Yep. If you had to pay for it or not, because I was on Frontier, right? It's a yep, yep. I didn't have any overhead baggage, so I don't really care. There's plenty of space. I had the, my little backpack that was going to go under the seat in front, right there at my feet, so it didn't really matter. So I don't have to rush on and hope. Oh man, I hope there's space up there. But that's just it. The lower the stakes, the higher the tension. If everybody's got an assigned seat, you got everybody forming this little half circle around the entrance trying to figure out how they're going to be first to get on the plane, even though it doesn't matter once they get on the plane. Whereas with Southwest, higher stakes. If I, if I get in yeah. line at C12 instead of C24 and I am lying, I, I get a better seat out of the Yes. Deal. But you don't see people quizzing each other about where their seat number actually is. They're much more respectful, lower tension, higher stakes. I usually like to sit and wait. And watch all of that happen. Absolutely. And then be one of the last people to get on the airplane. Yep. Because then I'm not standing there waiting in the jetway. Just walk onto the plane. Everybody's already in their seat. Yep. I have an aisle seat. My girls have their own three seats, so nobody's going to be there. No, I'm not going to bother anybody when I get on late mm-hmm. and have to say, well, I have the window. You two are going to have to get up and get out. Oh, see, that's my favorite thing to do. I like to I think like- of myself as the dream wrecker <laughs> on airplanes, because if, especially if I know I have a corner seat, I like to be one of the last people to get on, because then I get on and somebody's inevitably sitting in the corner seat, and I can be like, excuse me, can I check your ticket? I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure that's my seat. Yeah. Thank you. So I, you know, we, I, I like to get on later. And now my wife gets a little bit freaked out by that whole process uh, just because she thinks they're going to leave without us. And they're not. They are not. I was supposed to report back on a few things while I was away. One of them was supposed to be the smart bathrooms in Atlanta. Uh, I did not see any. I used the restroom twice in Atlanta, and I saw nothing smart about the restrooms there. there you have Just it. dumb and gross as ever and as 
any airport that I've ever been to. That was the reason I make people take their shoes off when they come into my home is because of airplane bathrooms. That, that's the only reason? And airport bathrooms. Okay. And they, they are totally, well, that's not the only reason, but they are totally gross. Really gross. A lot of grunts and smells coming out of the men's room, that's by the way. That's true. Yep, yep, yep. I also took my first spirit flight. Mm. Now, that was from Atlanta to Tampa because I flew Frontier from the Springs over to Atlanta. I really wanted to fly all those low-cost airlines. Well, no, it just worked out. I had to have different airlines. But because I did the different airlines, I had to get out of the secured area at the Atlanta airport over to baggage claim so I could get my bags. Then I had to check back in to Spirit, just like I was living in Atlanta and just being dropped off at the airport, drop off my bags, and then go through security and that whole thing. Now, it was it was basically a fine process to go out, get my bags, go over to uh, check in my bags over there at uh, at Spirit. However, our layover, because my layover was two hours. I had plenty of time. Mm-hmm. I wasn't worried about the time. The problem I had when I handed over my bags is one of my bags was at 45 pounds. Now, that is no problem with most of the airlines. Fine for Frontier and fine for United and Delta because their, their bag limit is 50 pounds. I mean, that's pretty much the standard 50 pounds is the bag weight limit for an overweight bag. Okay. So I, I had one bag at 45 pounds. I, that was no problem. Except Spirit has an overweight bag at 40 pounds. Yeah. They're trying to screw it to you again by going 10 pounds lighter oh, because it's going to make that big of a difference on their airplanes. How many people pack bags that heavy if they're flying on Spirit? Though? 40 pounds. Somebody had to dump, dump out you, their whole yeah. thing. Well, all right. So mine was 40 pounds. So the guy at the uh, at the check-in made me make my bag lighter. I had to take a, a, a pack of uh, basically hair curlers, a couple of makeup bags to make it legal. Air quotes there. Here's what I don't get. Let's say, like I did in this instance, I have three bags, right? And the weight limit is, let's give it to them, at 40 pounds. Why can't I have a total of 120 pounds with all three bags, right? Give me my 40 pounds and give me 120 overall. Why can't I have that? If one bag is 45 and one bag is 35, boom, they're 40 each. And the other bag doesn't matter. Why can't I do that? They're making me move stuff from one bag to another when it's all the same underweight. I don't get it. Oh. Are you okay? <laughs> I'm okay. Now people in the newsroom are they're, they're, they're wondering what's wrong with me. I mean, seriously. 40, I mean, come on. Why can't you just follow the rules, man? As long as one of the bags isn't egregiously heavy, where a man of my size couldn't lift it, then let it fly. Let it fly. That's what I say. I say, America, let it fly. Spirit Airlines, let it fly. Let it fly. Let it fly. <sighs> so dumb and not friendly. No. So going back through security, it was a bit of a pain, but it's not the worst thing in the world. And with kids, typically they let the family stay together, and they don't put the kids through that scanning machine where they're looking at your junk, uh, yeah, mm-hmm. they uh, will typically let us go right through the metal detector, the old style metal detector. Just boom, all four of us can roll right through. Oh, nice. Okay. Um, and then we can go get our stuff, and then off we go. We don't have to. Now, one time I did get caught coming back where I, 
uh, the, 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 my other three girls, they, they left me. <laughs> and so now I have to go there, and they're looking at my junk. Ah, so be it. Going through. The, it's fine, Nothing whatever. Nobody hasn't seen before. Oh, but that's one advantage. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, do you know something I don't? Do you, do you have, like, a Bitcoin address and you want $800? <laughs> <laughs> you seen that scam go around? I have. I, I, I started. Uh, by the way, the clientele on the Spirit flights—they are very interesting. Very, very interesting. See, it's an eclectic mix of people, because obviously they're a discount airline, so they're going to attract the discount passengers. It's an interesting mix of America. I must say that. What What I noticed first, and, and this is the this is the nicest thing I can call them—the bag Nazi. Yep. And this was the person at the gate who was watching everybody getting on board as they were giving their ticket to the other gate person there that was scanning them to get on the airplane to the jetway. This person was just standing there watching and making sure that if you had a carry-on bag of their size that would, they would say you have to have a carry-on bag and, and pay for it, mm. that it was paid for. There was one woman... Who they caught. Good. And they brought her out of line. And they made her pay for that bag. And she was irate. Well, why is she trying to sneak on a bag that she knows she's not supposed to have? Maybe she didn't know. I was actually concerned with the size of my backpack. Actually, my two girls, they had these little, uh, uh, yeah, I guess they're backpack size suitcases, if you will. But my, they're, I mean, they're eight and 11 years old and they put all their, their, their blanket in there and they put their books and they put their, their little stuffies in there. Right. Listen, I was worried that those were going to get busted. As somebody who is perpetually concerned that my backpack is going to get popped, right? That I am going to be forced to get out of line, hand over my backpack or pay for my backpack. Was this woman's bag egregious? It was. Yes. Okay. Yeah, that's right. the it was, yes. it was. It was egregious. a little over. Yeah, that's what I'm saying, man. Like, these people need to be punished. I'm sorry. The fact that I, I understand why you're bringing it up because it reflects the fact that airplane airlines just, like, don't enforce these policies because it's uncomfortable to yeah. pull somebody out of line yes, and say, you owe us 40 more dollars to get on the plane. At the same time, as a person who follows the damn rules, good. Enforce them. Get them out of there. Clear up some space in the overhead bins. Lower the weight on the plane. Maybe we'll save some gas. Improve fuel efficiency. Get there a few minutes quicker. It's time for the airlines to enforce their own damn policies. Well, and that's exactly what they were doing, to the point where I thought they were going to call the cops. (laughs) I thought the cops were on the way, yeah. Well, that was a woman. She was mad. Yeah. She was really, really upset. And we're talking, we were in Atlanta, so there was a lot of attitude there. Honest to God, if you're flying a Spirit Airlines flight, it is very likely that that $40 you paid for the bag is like, 40% 40% of your budget for the entire vacation. Yeah, probably. Yeah. It was. It, it's just an interesting group of people. And because they group all the airlines together, there were other Spirit Airline flights in that same general uh, gate area. So, oof, the I'm Spirit telling you. The Spirit Corral. Yes, it was. Exactly. The <laughs> yeah. Spirit Corral. Something else I noticed was the uh, aisle on the Spirit flight. It was very wide. I felt it, it felt wide when I started walking down to my seat. It just felt wider. And I quickly learned that the wide aisle came at the expense of the width of my seat. <laughs> they were super narrow, really narrow. Uh, and they were also pretty short. My knees were right up against the seat in front of me. I about had the thickness of my hand Yeah, that I could sweep between the back of the seat in front of me and my knee. Yep, yep, yep. So that was about, what? what is that, about an inch? 
inch and a half, maybe. Yeah. I mean, it was just barely there. No, I mean, you were you were describing a typical Spirit Airlines flight, my friend. That is that is that airline to a T, especially for a big guy like you and I. And, and the rest of the aircraft looked like a regular A320. Um, except for the little pocket at your knees. So usually they have a pocket uh, for the drink menu and the the flight information guide and maybe a magazine. Well, no pocket. It was just a web of bungee cords. Yep, yep, yep. yep. That held that plain info card and barf bag in place. Uh, so at least they gave you a barf bag so they wouldn't just puke on the floor i guess it sounds like you wanted to vomit as soon as you saw your surroundings and i had this interesting looking woman uh n- sitting next to me she was blinged out i mean she had the bling on her teeth she had the bling on her she had the real long fingernails with the bling on her finger nice. the hair the whole thing and she just basically stoically stared ahead the whole flight was she wearing <laughs> noise canceling headphones no she was she wasn't okay <laughs> no she was that's serial color uh, stuff, it man. was really interesting uh, she did try to drift asleep a couple of the times, but it was difficult for me because we're, you know, I'm a, I'm a large-shouldered man, and I tried to lean as much as I could into the aisle area so I wasn't on her, and I I, I didn't yeah. use the uh, armrest at all to give her full armrest as you should respect. Okay. And uh, well, you know, it, it, I'm just glad it was an hour and a half flight. That <laughs> is that better or worse if she's wearing headphones? Honestly. Oh, it was worse. Yeah, it's so much worse, right? Is she listening to everything? Is this just what she's doing? She's just on here eavesdropping everybody. I don't know. Uh, And they charge for everything on those flights. Yes, they do. They, I mean, even a cup of water. I always bring some water with me. I bring an empty empty bottle through security and fill it up with water when I get to the gate area, and they have the water bottle thing there. But, uh, you know, so it's not really a problem for me or my, my family, but my, my, my girls, usually they ask uh, for a glass of water. Yep. Well, they wanted to charge my eight-year-old for a cup of water. <laughs> An eight-year-old. Listen, that plastic for costs money. For a cup of water. <sighs> that was a bit much. Man. So I So I let her, I let her have mine. There you go. That's a very fatherly thing to do. This is just Atlanta to Tampa, right? That's a puddle jumper. Yeah, I was Atlanta to Tampa. That was it. So how long is that flight? An hour and a half. Hour and a half, really? Yes. It was also the loudest flight in terms of people talking. Yep. Yes. I mean, as loud as a restaurant. Why is that on a Spirit Airlines flight? I don't that know. Is, that is uniquely Spirit. They, there are so many people having conversations on those flights. It was, and it was, it was loud. And and you know how on a in a restaurant, uh, one table, two tables, they start talking, and then this table has to start talking over that table, and it just the the roar becomes louder and louder. It would do that. It, you would hear it calm down a little bit and then rise up. And Does that have to do with the acoustics on the plane? Like, I think there might be something to the idea that uh, on a plane with uh, more luxuriously upholstered seats, that sort of dampens the noise that's coming out of the cabin overall. Oh, yeah, maybe. You know, I mean, I'm just throwing out theories because it does feel like that is something that's unique to Spirit Frontier 2 to a lesser extent where there's a lot, a lot, a lot of chit-chat. And, and those seats are very hard. They're just basically plastic with the leather covering on the, or the simulated yeah. leather covering yep. on the front of them. Um, really, these these flights, these spirit flights, I think they're only doable for a short, short leg. Um, less than two hours. I wouldn't want to go more than two hours on one of those airplanes. Oh, I've done Vegas to Boston on a spirit airlines flight nonstop, man. It's doable. It's doable if you're young, I guess. I don't know. I don't know pleasant. if I could do it again. I, I don't know if I would do it again. But you know what? Spirit did what I expected them to do when I first got on the, air, uh, on the airplane. They, they got me from one airport to another airport without any unscheduled stops in the Gulf of Mexico. There you go. That was my expectation level. 
get me from from this place to that place in me one piece and my family in one piece where I could walk on and walk off the airplane into two separate airports. Would I fly them again? I, I, I can never say never, but probably not. Right. Not if I can help it. If, if, I, if the prices were similar on different airlines, I would definitely fly a different airline. If it was so egregiously low where I just look at this airfare and, I, and I'm thinking it, it would just be dumb of me not to take this, this flight, then, then I would do it. Can I toss a hypothetical at you? Sure. Okay. So I booked a hotel for Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday night, Monday night, leave Tuesday. Okay? All right. Um, I can fly to this city on Friday and come back Tuesday, but I don't have quite enough frequent flyer points to cover it. I'm, like, just short, so I would have to spend actual money on it. Would you? Oh, no, go ahead with your thing. Okay. If I, if I arrive Thursday night at 11 p.m. in this city... I will be able to cover it entirely with points, and I only have to pay $12 with the flight. But I would also have to book an extra night at the hotel, which is unusually expensive on that Thursday for circumstances I'm not going to get into. But it would cost more to book the hotel for that night than it would to pay for the flight on Friday. So do I do the cheap flight with points and hang out at the hotel and in the city for 12 hours until I have an actual hotel? Or do I just fly on Friday and spend the money? Oh, that's a good one, because we we had a similar situation when we were going. Uh, I would probably fly with the points and go with the hotel, because that yeah. means my trip is, it feels longer, you feel like you're on the road longer, and it gives me, at least, on the road, more of a uh, away-from-here mentality, mm-hmm. which is always beneficial to me. Yes. That's, okay. that's, that's how I would play that out. But I was wondering is if you had enough miles on the leg out to then give you the reward trip on the way back. Uh, so th- I think I would be able to, but I also think that the way that Southwest calculates points, they don't give them to you until after the flight's actually been taken. To avoid well, that's what I'm like saying. That. But Oh, yeah, then you would have to book. So in other words, you would have to book the next one right. while you're still there. I got gotcha. you. Uh, yeah, interesting. Yeah. yeah. I also landed for the first time at the Tampa airport. What a nice place. Man, it was fantastic. Maybe it was because I was getting off a spirit flight, but it was a an outstanding airport. The Tampa airport. Tampa. Well done, Tampa. You get a golf clap, Tampa. Okay. It was very nice. Okay. Very, very nice. Uh, a lot of clean spaces, open spaces, modern. Uh, they have this nice integrated artwork all throughout the uh, airplane or airport. It is. It is getting the bags was was a piece of cake. It didn't feel too big. It didn't feel too small. Just right. Goldilocks. Like a Goldilocks airport. Uh, like other airports that are about that same size. Now, they have these rental car garages where they have the entire garage is the rental car thing. Oh, okay. Where you take this people mover train thing over to it, and then all the different rental cars, the the counters are there, but if you have the... The car, then you can just walk up to the car and just get in the car and off you go. Mm-hmm. Um, that So that was super comfortable and super easy. <laughs> it was funny. We get over there, and I, I rented the car, and we get in, and it just so happened that my, my daughter, the 8-year-old, she goes, Daddy, what about this one? I said, okay, let's get in and see. And, and my wife said, yeah, it smells good. That's the first criteria. It has go. to smell okay. good. It happened to be a brand-new car. It only had four miles on it. Nice. 
the same thing happened when we came back from the cruise. We got onto uh, the uh, we got to the rental car place because we needed a car for the day. That one had two miles on it. Wow. <laughs> I had two brand new cars. Okay, it was amazing. A uh, Clearwater Beach, spectacular. Any beach is spectacular this time of year. I will definitely go back there for a long time. Uh, and the drive across Florida uh, from Clearwater to uh, Port Canaveral, ooh, that was super easy. Uh, but Port Canaveral and Cocoa Beach both were more depressed than I imagined they would be, economic-wise. Oh, okay. Where there were more businesses uh, that weren't uh, in business, and there were some abandoned buildings, and it just didn't seem like a robust economy. Um, yeah, it does seem like it's tough to judge that, though. You know what I mean? I, if you're only in a city for a few hours, it can be really hard to know if you're in like the high economic district, the low economic district, the art district. We always found that. I mean, we've been to Nashville three times now, and I don't think we've been to the nice part of Nashville, any one of them. You know, we have this impression oh, yeah, Nashville right. is an ugly city, but you know that there's a burgeoning downtown in there somewhere. I did see one interesting thing, though. On one of the little side roads that I was traveling on, there was this road where the only place you would see the double yellow line was around a curve. Love it. That was it. So I don't know if they were just trying to save paint or they just gave you the, <laughs> the, the, the hey, we, you know, we, we trust that you know which side of the street you're supposed to be on. But the only area was there was a, like an S-curve and then there was another curve, and that's the only place the uh, double yellow line was painted. Love it. It was pretty interesting. Yeah. Uh, then we went on the Disney cruise. That was nice. Too many lines w- and way too many over-the-top Disney fans wearing their shirts and their their costumes and the and the whole I mean there are there there's Disney fans and then there's these people. What? Honestly, you knew that was coming though. Oh, right? of course I did. That's why I, I typically don't like the Disney cruise. It's not my favorite cruise, but we did it because my mother in law wanted to go on the Disney cruise, and so we went on the Disney cruise with my mother in law. Best costume, me as Gaston. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. I was Gaston. So in this cruise, it was the Halloween cruise, and it was also there was a there was a Halloween dress up night, and there was also the pirate night. They always have a pirate night where you have to dress up like a pirate. Nice. I, I don't go all out for the pirate thing, but I did. I, I did have to go for the Gaston thing, and I <laughs> I'll show you pictures later. It's, Can't wait. Oh, it's it's quite good. Um, there are. These, these, I was just gonna, I was just thinking about what this one lady who was dressed as Snow White, who should not have been dressed as Snow White. Of course. <laughs> of course. There is probably more than one of those. Yeah. And the day we got off the ship, we went to the Kennedy Space Center. It was more interesting than I thought it would be. Mm. Way more interesting. Okay. Uh, we saw a space shuttle, which was really cool. Uh, the Atlantis. It, it, I mean, the entire space shuttle. The real one. It's hanging up. From the, I mean, it's it's hanging there, and you get to see the the bay doors are open. You see the the tile. I mean, you see everything. The entire shuttle. That's awesome. It is really amazing. Uh, we saw the launch pads where they're doing now the SpaceX stuff. Saw all the different launch pads, so that was really cool to give a perspective of where not only they were doing the launches in the past, but n- where the space shuttle and and other rockets have left, but also now where the SpaceX stuff is going. They have a huge building there. Uh, and they have the launch pad. They just roll it right out there. It's just really cool. Nice. Okay. Um, I, I touched a moon rock. Did you get into a rocket? I did not get into a... Well, they have these demo, They have these uh, modules where you can get in. I, I tried to get into a couple of them. I'm a big guy. Apparently, the largest astronaut that went to like the Apollo missions, they were all, really not even above six feet. 
just because space is an issue in space. And so they really liked smaller people to uh, to do those missions. Well, I, you know, I'm 6'2". I'm a large man, <laughs> 6'2", 225. Well, I, and America needs to be sending its tallest astronauts into space because if, if we're ever going to create a new colony, you want the tall ones, right? You would think so. Yeah. But that's later when we colonize the entire solar system. In 10 years. Yes. Trump. Uh, I also learned that there's been an increase in delayed, diverted, and canceled flights for a bunch of planes in that part of southeast Florida because of the increased number of space launches there at Cape Canaveral. Really? So it used to be pretty uncommon, but last year there were 31 launches to orbit and 14 re-entries to Earth at the Space Center because they have those rockets that come back down after uh, so they can reuse them. Mm-hmm. Well, here's one of the most extreme examples. The first launch of the SpaceX Falcon Heavy back in February of this year, that launch window in that case was two and a half hours. So the FAA declared an aircraft hazard area, and it creates a zone around Cape Canaveral that means no commercial or private aircraft in that area for the entire time. You have Southeast Florida has a couple big airports, including Fort Lauderdale and Miami. You have Orlando, and Tampa is a little bit too far off, but you also have Jacksonville. Mm-hmm. So you have airplanes, though, that are flying to around those areas or flying overhead. Well, they because you're going into space, it's not like you can cap it at 30,000 feet. I mean, you're going into space. Right. You're going out of the, the deal here. All the way up. All the way up. And so more than 500 flights experienced delays that day. Or they had to fly extra miles around the area, so they're burning extra fuel, they're delaying passengers, all because of this this airspace restriction. Well, one of the reasons they, uh, that I learned down there is that we're seeing this kind of interference is the FAA is still using a manual system without real-time data inputs from the launch control people about when the actual space launch is happening. So instead of clearing it off the airspace, let's say a half an hour before the launch, they, they have this window, two-and-a-half or three-hour or four-hour or six-hour window, and they're saying no flights within that window, period. Instead of limiting and saying, all right, we know we're going to fly here at this half hour, divert your planes right now. So that, so, so that they're, they're trying to work that system out so it can be less inconvenient to aircraft, to passengers, and all of that stuff. So I, I thought that was also pretty interesting because apparently they're doing it all manually. Now they have the, the systems, the computer systems, to start working this this program out, I guess, and then mm-hmm. they can they can actually the the launch control people can send the air the the pilots in the airplanes messages like these. I guess they have some kind of schmod text message thing where they get messages from different from the FAA or from air towers or whatever, and and the space people can do that too. Send the airplane, hey, we're we're going to be launching here in a half hour. D- divert now. So it's not like you're checking all the notams beforehand and you have to go, oh, well, we're going to fly all the way around Florida because we got a stupid space launch here. Jeez, man. That's, I mean, it's, on the one hand, it seems like, of course, this is a problem. Right? Yeah. Of course this would happen. On the other hand, that's a real bummer. And if we, do, if we expand space travel significantly, imagine how much that's going to impact how they're going to be able to coexist. Right. Exactly. So, uh, you know, that was I thought that was one of the interesting things. And then, yeah. we, you know, we fly back, uh, had that late night flight, and we had that, uh, you know, the hour-long delay. So we're getting home uh, after midnight, and I'm dry- we drove into the driveway at about one thirty in the morning. And, so and you was, were the only one awake. Yeah, it was tough. Yep. That was hard. Yep. Um, Responsible dad, Jason Luber. Yeah, so <laughs> I don't think I'd ever with the kids do that late night of a flight again. It was. Gina said it was going to be fine, but I knew it was going to be too late. Of course she said it was going to be fine. You were driving. 
Well, sorry, Gina. <laughs> I was I was tired. I'll tell you that. So here's a story. While I while I was away, I was trying to read a lot because you, you I didn't pay for an internet package, and you don't you, you have to unplug. And I love I love that about being on a cruise boat that you can unplug and you can be off the grid and and you don't have to post on Instagram or see all these messages. It's great. So I was doing a lot of reading, and one of the stories I read was that police in Germany say there are hundreds of people in Munich who had their driver's license revoked after riding a scooter from Oktoberfest while they were drunk. Good. It was a total of 414 people who were caught riding e-scooters while they were under the influence, and 254 of them lost their driver's licenses as a result. (laughs) (laughs) Was there just more enforcement? Yes. Yeah, okay. Exactly. Because in Germany, like it is here, e-scooters... Uh, are categorized as motor vehicles. Right. They were only legalized there in, in this summer, so they haven't really been using them a whole lot. And so because they are a vehicle, just like they are here, you you get a drunk driving citation or, or DUI uh, conviction. It's going to count just like if you were driving a car or a truck or whatever. It's the same thing. So, in fact, we did, I remember we did a story here a couple of months ago about the girl down in Albuquerque. Who got the DUI for driving her scooter? Well, and in L.A., I just saw some new statistics come out that said I think there were over 100 deaths related to e-scooter crashes just this year, this calendar year, which I think is pretty insane. It is. I'm sure the drunk scooter riders thought they were doing the right thing by not driving a car, but they probably didn't know that the scooter is a vehicle. (laughs) Right? I mean, mean, that's charitable. Sure, why not? But, like, don't do that. Don't do that. If you're going to drink, just walk. Call a lift. It's that simple. Too bad Lyft can't come get you on a scooter. Uh, getting your first speeding ticket is never fun. It can also be the first interaction with traffic police yep. that people might have. True. Well, the government in the Eastern European country of Estonia has an idea to soften that blow. They're swapping fines for a timeout. So first-time speeding offenders, they'll be offered a choice between a timeout where you have to hang out there on the side of the road, or you would get the fine. The program has two tiers. Drivers caught going above the limit by 20 kilometers an hour or less. They would have the option to park their car on the shoulder and wait 45 minutes for their timeout to be over. Those caught exceeding the limit by 21 to 40 kilometers an hour will be subjected to a 60-minute timeout. (laughs) Wow. All right. Police hope that some drivers will use that time to talk with the officer about driving and speeding, and that could change maybe the driver's behavior. But in reality, the speeders will sit in their car on their phone playing Angry Birds or Crossy Road while they're waiting out their timeout. Huh. Okay. Okay. Estonia has been struck by sharp increases in road fatalities in the last couple of years. So the government there hopes that this will change their driver's behavior It's a whole different story just on the other side of the Baltic. See, in Finland, Finland has introduced what they call day fines, which are used along with a sliding scale in accordance to your annual income. Love that. The idea behind this approach is to make the punitive system a little fairer, air quotes there, as the fines have a regressive punitive effect on those with higher incomes they say so if you make a lot of money and the fines 20 bucks it doesn't really affect you if you make minimum wage the fines 20 bucks it really affects you Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that's basically what they're saying so the result has been some eye-watering fine amounts 
A few years ago, a businessman in Finland was fined 54,000 euros, about $59,000, for driving 72 kilometers an hour in a 50-kilometer-an-hour zone. 22 over, and you get a $59,000 fine. I mean, he must make a lot of money, right? I would imagine so. Follow the rules, dude. Finland isn't the only country to apply this progressive punishment system to speeding fines. Switzerland uses a similar system and currently holds the world record for a speeding ticket. (laughs) Okay. It was handed out to a Swedish motorist in 2010 who was caught driving 290 kilometers an hour. It's about 180 miles an hour. He was fined 3,600 Swiss francs per day. For 300 days, totaling over a million dollars. <laughs> wow. Wow. That's crazy. I'm okay with that. That's a lot of bread. That's a lot of money, man. For speeding. Well, I mean, 180 miles an hour. Now, we've talked about this in the UK, where you can be fined up to 175% of your weekly income on a sliding scale, depending on the severity of the offense that you have committed. However, the amount is capped at 2,500 pounds, which is about $3,000. While European countries are leading the way for the biggest speeding fines, they also lead the way in impounding cars as well and imprisoning their drivers as well. France, Finland, Spain, Germany all have laws that can send repeat speeding offenders to jail. If you want people to stop speeding, send them to jail, right? Mm-hmm. I've always said, if you want to get people to stop doing things, make the fines crazy ridiculous. Now, that's obviously what they've done there in, in Finland and these other uh, European countries. There you go. Yeah. America would never go for that. You don't think so? Not in a million years. I'd like to try it. I think if we uh, changed our DUI laws where you get your first offense, it's a $50,000 fine, and you have to spend six months in jail, you'd have very few DUIs. You're smart, man. You're smart because speeding, Colorado wouldn't go for it for speeding, but you could put a ballot amendment up that says DUI fine is now worth 175% of your monthly income. Yep. Done. 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 Who's not going to vote for that? The alcoholic lobby? <laughs> is there an alcoholic lobby? There must be. I don't know. But then there would be the uh, the difference between, let's say, the servers get paid much lower uh, at a hourly rate, right? Like, what is it, 3 or $4 an hour? Right. They get, they get most of their money on tips. Well, Do you have to calculate their tip income, or is this coming off of your tax return? So monthly income would come off your tax return, which, I mean, a lot of places, not to get too into the weeds, Restaurants have gotten a lot more progressive with that because a lot of tip income is now reported on credit cards, and you have to right, claim that. Right. There's no way around that. And in Colorado, <laughs> tipped employees actually make a minimum wage of $11 an hour, not $3 an hour, due to a state law that requires the tipped minimum wage to be $3 less than the state minimum wage. So servers here actually make a ton of money. Wow. Like there's some, They're usually the highest paid employees in every restaurant in the city, pretty much across the board. All right, time to go apply to a restaurant. Yeah, man, you're missing out. Sommelier. Uh, yeah, you're not kidding. <laughs> I, I can drink wine, taste wine, and show you the best wines that you can have. There exactly. You go. I wanted to mention quickly before we go uh, that one of the biggest stories that we have going on here, I've been following, and, I, and I've always, over the last couple of months, I uh, sent notices to the newsroom that the RTD lines, especially the, uh, the light rail lines, they have been canceling several of them every day. Well, let's say the L line or the R line, all these different lines, they, they were canceling anywhere up to 10 to 12 trips per day because they have a 
operator shortage. They don't have enough operators to operate the trains. So they right. have to cancel those trips because they don't have enough people to, 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 to do it. Um, it's the same thing is happening with some of the bus service now. And they have a huge turnover rate. The workers are overworked. And all of this is leading to really turning off the bubble transit user who might consider riding a bus or train instead of driving. But if you don't have a train there and you promise a train at 745 and the train doesn't show up till 815, they're going to get mad and and say, this is not convenient and I'm not going to do it. I'm actually glad this came up because as a rider, obviously, like it, it affected me in the way that it sucks to see buses and light rail trains delayed so frequently or canceled so frequently because of the driver shortage. But I think that this argument needs to be framed in terms of the drivers and the light rail operators. And I don't know how much of RTD listens to this podcast, but what I would say to them is that just <sighs> these are men and women. These are people with families. These are people who come to you looking for jobs that can support them, that they can work in for 30 years. And they're told that they have to work six day weeks, that they have to work 60 plus hours a week, that they don't have a choice in the matter, that they're not going to get paid well at a starting wage, not get paid comparable to other people in very highly skilled positions, which they are. They're not safe. They're not safe because they're overworked. They're not safe because the people who ride the buses are given free reign to be mean to them on a regular basis and harass them for no reason. And they have to put up with it because there's no security. These are men and women. They deserve a working wage. Point blank. And they deserve to be treated and compensated like people who matter. And if RTD can't pay the money to them to treat them like the men and women that they are, shut it down. Hmm. Now, the people that are working there, the pushback on that is that they willingly went went to go working for RTD because they do get some extra benefits from RTD that you don't get if you're working over here at Blue Cross Blue Shield. You do get some extra benefits. You get just the same thing as, as if I was going to be a teacher, I'm going to get different benefits, and uh, right? And you do expect just to work your 40 hours a week. You do expect to have your two days off, but that's not happening. And I, I, I think they have to pay the overtime that these folks are working. Correct. So they are making some pretty big money, but they are also starting at a much lower wage. Correct. And I think this has been a pervasive problem with our transit system over many years is that the starting wage and even the increases in wages have not kept up with, one, the cost of living in this town, and and two, just the prevailing wage of what those jobs should pay. Yep. There was a situation last winter where we had a train on the east side of town that Jumped the tracks. It was going a little too fast around a curve. Jumped the tracks. The train separated, and somebody lost their foot and was thrown from the train from that instance. I don't know if we've ever talked to that driver. No. But I wonder if that driver, of a train operator, I guess I should say, was under these working conditions. How many hours was that person working? Not only that week and that day, but... In the weeks leading up to that situation, was that person one of these who was overworked and they had just basically uh, the, your mind, if you get overworked at a certain level, th- then you just start slipping. 
and we we can't answer that certainly because RTD won't release that information for that specific driver. But we can certainly assume, based on what various operators and drivers have reported to us about the working conditions and how the compulsory overtime works, probably, probably they were working more than forty hours a week in the months leading up to that crash. Yeah, and so this is going to be a problem, and it's not only here. There are cities, large cities nationwide that are facing this same issue where in a economy as booming as we are seeing now across the United States, you have especially government entities, schools and uh, trying to find bus drivers and public transit authorities trying to find train and bus operators because you can go work at about anywhere you want and the millennials j- tend to jump from job to job to job. And if you're not treating me right right now, I'll just go find that job because I they, maybe they'll treat me right, and then I'll just quit after a month and go to that job. But listen, I mean, is it so much to ask for a 40-hour week? No, it's you, not. You know what I mean? And that's that's what I'm saying. RTD can't even provide something as simple as a 40-hour week for its employees. You know, millennials move from job to job because they don't see opportunities for growth or they feel like they're not being treated appropriately. At yeah. RTD, they are certainly not being treated appropriately. Exactly. And I think that's going to be a problem Around the country as well. Yeah. but and, and for them to use the phrase driver shortage like it's an illness, like like you and I would talk about a concussion for a football player. They, you know, Baker Mayfield had a concussion. RTD has a driver shortage. No, they're not paying their people. Point blank. They can't pay people enough, and so people don't want to work for them. And so it's going to lead to less service. They're going to cut back on service. And we had talked about on this show, maybe RTD should be a regional like most of the other around the country, right. regional one where you're just taking people from a major hub, maybe some of the major cities, and then bring them into a central area and then having the cities then distribute people around the smaller uh, streets. And maybe that's the way it has to be rebuilt. I mean, they're, to me, they're, they're in an existential crisis as to what are they going to be going forward. Because you can't both be building a giant rail infrastructure and light and train and light rail infrastructure and also supply neighborhood to neighborhood service like a bus company does and you know what's interesting is because i i had been in the past approached you know for opportunities over there at rtd and they tend to pay their management people pretty well of course they do. um really well with really good benefits way more than you would get as a train operator or a a, a bus driver um and so there is a huge disparity because it is not the same as a working for the Department of Transportation. Uh, it, it is different, and they can pay more, and they pay better, and they have better benefits, um, especially for the front office, if you will. Um, so we'll see what happens. Yeah. We'll see what happens with all that. It's certainly interesting. Uh, and I know we're covering it, and we will continue to cover it here on Denver 7 News. Listen. News don't stop, Denver 7 don't stop. That's right. We never turn this thing off. That's the problem with the business I got into. <laughs> it does, they don't turn it off. They don't turn it off on holidays. They turn it off on Christmas Day. They, don't, they just don't turn it off. Always on. <laughs> Isn't that one of our slogans? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, all right, good. Anyway, that's all I had for you today uh, for this uh, latest, greatest episode. We are up to episode 144. That's what this one is. Crushing it, Is that it, crazy? Crushing it. It's amazing. Uh, if you have a question, comment, anything you want to let us know about, 303-832-0217 is the phone number. It is still too quiet on the old complaint line, comment line, phone line. Even the crickets stopped chirping. They did. 303-832-0217 is that number. And until next time, I'm Jason Liber, the traffic guy. I'm Joseph Peters, and I'm listening.
Be safe, and as always, happy motoring.